Hey, what's up, Stay Tuners? It's your good friend Jimbo here, letting you know that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and let them know that you heard it from Stay Tuned Sports and you start earning today. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. True good friend Jimbo here, once again, just like every week. Big stuff going on right now with uh, Stay Tuned Sports, and especially with the, the sports world, with more COVID cases breaking out in the NFL. But um, before we get into that, head over to staytunesports.net. Our social media accounts links are on the right-hand side there. Click, follow, like, share. Merch tab. We're working on, like I said, getting more stuff there. But I want to kick off the show with a, a little bit of a big announcement, I guess you would want to say. Um, this coming Monday, Belly Up Sports is holding a four-race iRacing tournament for um, for teams. Now, if you guys have followed Scott Crump with the Stay Tuned Sports uh, iRacing car with Erska, the Erska League, most of these racers are going to be from there, um, as well as probably other leagues as well. But we will be having a team racing with Scott and a couple of other racers. But we are actually sponsoring the first race here. And I want to give a thank you to Mike Brown of Belly Up Sports for giving us this opportunity to be able to be the first sponsor of their uh, four-part race. And it's going to be an interesting race. It's at Talladega. Um fireworks always happen there and it's one of the one of the tracks i actually enjoy watching um just because of all the the drama that that goes down so make sure you guys tune in on monday 9 30 at night over on youtube um just keep an eye out on monday and i will send a link out i'll be in the chat with uh on the youtube channel so you know we can chat it up and everything like that as well so once again, thank you, Mike Brown, for giving us an uh, opportunity to sponsor your first race for Belly Up Sports of this four-part race. And let's go, Scott, and stay tuned, sports crew. So getting into some news here. Now, I know we don't really cover NBA too much, but I had to, cover, I had to bring this one up. Doc Rivers signs with the Sixers. Um, came out just... Couple days earlier, um, the Sixers announced the hiring on Monday. Doc was released from the LA Clippers, or you know, mutually parted ways, however you want to word it, from the Clippers late last week after losing in the playoffs and being eliminated. And the reason why I, I want to talk about this is because before. Um, he was hired or even considered a candidate to take over the team. Tyron Lue was one of the main coaches that 
Sixers were linked to. And towards uh, the end of last week, um, DeMonte, I forget, I forget how you pronounce his name, but I believe he was with the Houston Rockets, was close to a deal with, with the Sixers. Now, out of those three coaches, actually, I think Doc Rivers is probably the best fit for this team. Just because, and he he kind of, Doc Rivers kind of um, compared Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to when he was in Boston with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Um, Kevin Garnett being you know the big guy in Boston at the time, and Joel Embiid, you know, definitely a big guy. I may have not followed him as much as I probably wanted to this year because I, I really did want to, to follow him, but um, did notice he was he 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 did get hurt a lot and would take a lot of time off. I I know that the uh, load management is a new thing now, but I think in order for Doc to be able to get the most out of Embiid and Ben Simmons, he's gonna have to play now. The the um the interesting thing about this hiring was before the Sixers called, Doc Rivers actually was thinking about taking a break from coaching for a little while. I mean, he went on like sixteen straight seasons of coaching in the NBA, so I mean, you could only imagine how burnt out he probably was. But at at the the press conference, he was quoted in saying that. I love coaching. I absolutely love it. But I was not going to just coach anybody. I can tell you that. I was ready to take a break. It just depended on the team that was available and if the team, in my opinion, was ready to win. And, you know, he he, he said, I mean, there's so much talent with this team at such a young age. You know, you figure they're mid-20s right now. They still have a long time to go. I, I do. I did see some people on Twitter. You know, will Doc be able to get the the team over the hump? Um, past two years, Sixers were eliminated in the first round. <coughs> Excuse me, which led to uh, Brett Brown's firing a uh, day after they got eliminated this past time. Also, I think with this signing. Any type of discussion of Embiid being traded or wanting out of Philly, I think, closes that door. I think with this signing, you're bringing a, a big-name coach in, a proven head coach who won a title uh, back with the Celtics um, in 2008. So I think that this will actually help regenerize, re-energize this team. You know, maybe the whole Brett, ba- uh, Brett Brown thing kind of got stale for the team you know maybe i understand ben simmons got hurt in the playoffs and was out for the rest of the year so that was a big blow but i am definitely actually going to be following this team on tv actually sit down watch them and, and hopefully be able to bring a title to philly just like the eagles and just like um the Phillies have in the past which even though the Phillies haven't really done anything in what nine straight years they, they missed the playoffs 
about time they they fired their GM. Their their main problem is their um their relief pitchers, their their bullpen. But that's for another time, another day. So welcome to Philly Doc. I think you're gonna do some good things with the team. A lot of NFL news going on right now, even as we're recording now. More te- more positive tests came out for Tennessee. Um, I saw earlier, and now there's talk of possibly having games forfeited if the NFL finds that Tennessee is not following the protocols. Now, what happened? This recent one was there was two players that actually was training at a high school together when that's against the rules um tennessee's facilities as of right now are still closed not allowed to practice not allowed to do any of that their game against pittsburgh which was supposed to be last weekend got pushed to i believe week eight when they both have buys you know i said from day one this was going to happen And here we are. It, it's it's happening. I said the NBA and the hot and NHL did it right. Did bubble cities and shown there was no positive test once they were in that in that bubble. Now I did see on Twitter. I don't know if it was a verified account or you know like Adam Schefter or if it's just you know someone who's has sources said that some of the coaches in the league not naming names wish the NFL would take a week off to put a plan together for some type of bubble city or bubble format and I'll tell you what they better start doing it quick because it's starting to get bad now you know we have Tennessee um, New England just announced today that uh, Stephen Gilmore tested positive Cam Newton test positive on Friday or Saturday and had their game po- uh, pushed till Monday. And there's a picture out there now that um, after the Kansas City New England game, uh, Patrick Mahomes was seen giving uh, Gilmore a hug. I mean, technically, to me, Mahomes has to be quarantined now because he was in close contact with someone that had COVID. Tennessee also put another wide receiver on the, the COVID list. So this is only going to get worse before it gets better. Now, I did just see Cam Jordan did say, you know, the NFL does have protocols in place, but they will only work if teams follow them. And listen, it, that goes just like us Joe Schmoes. CDC says, you know, make sure you social distance, make sure you wear your masks. It'll help curve the the the, the pandemic. Well, if you look at probably most of the people that are getting sick are probably not wearing masks or doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's what's happening in the NFL right now. The only way this is going to be able to get through the whole season, because again, you figure even if they take a week off, like some coaches may want the NFL to do to come up with a game plan here. You can make up that week 
by pushing the playoffs off a week. Not the Super Bowl. Because, don't forget, we have the Pro Bowl between the championship game and the Super Bowl. And no one cares about the Pro Bowl. So, you push the playoffs one week ahead, except for the Super Bowl. That's how you make your, your, your week up. You're still on pace for the day of the, the Super Bowl, February 4th, whatever day it is. And you make it through an NFL season without any more games being postponed or have to be forfeit because of COVID. But we all know Roger Goodell. We all know he's not going to do the right thing and sit down with the NFL Players Association and say, okay, listen, guys, we got to figure out something here. Because it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Now, something that did get kind of worse was the Houston Texans firing head coach slash GM Bill O'Brien earlier this week after starting out 0-4. There's a couple of parts of this that I do question. Do I agree with him being fired as a GM without a doubt? Do I uh, agree with him being fired as a head coach? No. And here's here's the reason. As far as a GM, he's made some, you can't even say questionable, um, gotta say just dumb, stupid moves. You trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a second round pick. Basically, you're trading the, the best receiver in the league for a banged up, washed up running back and a second round pick. You overpay Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Um, I, I think he is a very good quarterback. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been paid, but that contract that he gave out was probably about five to $10 million, way too much. And now he's locked in there for the next, what was a four or five year extension? You unloaded your draft picks for Laramie Tunsil. Um, Kenny Stills, I believe, was another one. So, I mean, there's no draft capital for the next couple of years for any GM that comes in. You're basically... The only GMs that are going to want that job are assistant, assistant, assistant GMs of a team that just want to get their feet wet because no big-name GMs or even borderline big-name GMs are going to want that job just because of that. You have no draft capital. Now, as far as a head coach, here's why I, I don't think he should have been fired. I think he should have just been stripped of his GM duties. He's 52 and 48 in the six years that he's been there with Houston. He's had five winning seasons and has won four division titles. So he 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 is a winning coach. Questionable GM winning coach then you fire him to re, uh, replace him with interim head coach um, Cornell uh, Romeo Cornell who has never been a good head coach I mean at 73 years old he has a 28 8 and 55 head coaching record 
So you just got rid of a winning head coach for this. Now, was there something behind the scenes? Well, right before I came on, it came out, a source came out and said that leading up to the Steelers game, J.J. Watt called out Bill O'Brien and his co head coaching style, which in turn had the team kind of have a, a player's revolt against them, which kind of makes sense now because they were very close to signing Earl Thomas until it was nixed because the players voiced their opinion against it. So he obviously already lost, lost the locker room. And I think he really lost the locker room when he traded DeAndre Hopkins. You traded your, your best weapon for chips. David Johnson, five years ago, yeah, he was one of the best running backs in the league. But Arizona ran him into the ground. He was the only, other than Larry Fitzgerald, offensive star on that team. But I, I, I just think Bill O'Brien got somewhat of the short end of the stick here. And, you know, when he got fired, before I even read any type of articles, I thought about him, like, he's basically Chip Kelly. You think about what Chip Kelly did with Philly. Came in, was a very good offensive mind that first year or two he got the GM power away from Howie Roseman and took it over ripped the team apart and then was just trash Bill O'Brien did the exact same thing but the difference is at least Philly let Chip Kelly run most of the season before they went their separate ways the Texans' 0-4 record was the toughest part of their schedule. Here on out, the schedule gets easier. Why not just give him a few more games to see if the team got any better? So this, this Texan team is just a disaster. And I don't know what head coach, what GM would want to come and work you know, for that team. Just because, again, there, there's no draft capital. You have way bigger contracts for these players than they deserve. Because, again, they, they have the highest payroll in the, NF, uh, in the NFL. And to start 0-4, I understand it. You should, that, you should be 4-0. But, Bill, I, I think with his GM decisions is what really made it a little bit easier to, to, to fire him, but I just don't agree with completely outing him of the organization. Now, something that needs to be outed in the NFL is the NFC East. And it, again, you guys know, I'm an Eagles fan, and this is coming from me. I didn't realize how bad this division was, or is, I should say, until... I saw a stat that we have the worst combined record in the NFL. We have a combined record of like three and three eleven and one or something like that. There's teams out there that have more wins than us as a whole. And just to break it down a little bit more, just to show you guys how bad this division is. 
A little bit of stats for each team here. The Dallas Cowboys have given up 146 points in four games. In four games. That's what? That's like 30, 35 points a game. You are not going to win many games. You're not going to win many games giving up 20 points a game, let alone 30. So they're giving up 30 plus points a game. The Giants are averaging 11 points a game. And now that part of it, I, I kind kind of uh, attribute to Shaquan Barkley blowing his knee out. Because really, if you think about it, he was the only one protecting Daniel Jones, you know, being that, that big play player, not on the team now. Teams could just sit back and say, okay, Daniel, go ahead, try try pass against us because you guys got no running back. And they're the next quote big star or you know star power, whatever you want to call it, is their tight end, Evan Ingram, who only has 17 catches on the season. The Washington Redskins, who just today have benched Dwayne Haskins, and it's kind of funny because I'm going to give you a little, little update here about Haskins. He ranks last in the NFL with total QBR at 30.7. And he's next to last in completion percentage for throws six yards or longer. It's terrible. But this kid came in, drafted by a coach that didn't want him, already onto his second offensive coordinator, who with Ron R Rivera coming in, has his guy, I believe, in Kyle Allen. That's why he brought him in or traded for him. That team is the worst of the worst of this division. And then, yeah, my Philadelphia Eagles, who our offensive line only has two of our original offensive linemen from the very beginning of the quote preseason training camp I guess you want to call it you know you had Jason Peters well you can't even say Jason Peters so you had Andre Dillard left tackle you had Jason Kelsey center Lane Johnson right tackle Brooks right guard um, free who our left guard is or was I should say but all we have now is Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Lane Johnson is banged up he barely got through last week's game he actually didn't played a couple plays and took the rest of the, the, the game off because of a bummed ankle you have Dallas Goddard um, out with a fractured ankle Four of the top five starting receivers on the team are out. Deshaun Jackson, Alston Jeffrey, J.J. Artague, even though Artague's side or whatever his name is. I mean, if he got more on the field, I probably could pronounce his name a little bit better. You have nothing but practice squad players and this you know high-power offense that was putting up points left and right their Super Bowl year is ranked 26th with 21 points a game. That will maybe win you seven games in a season. This division is just terrible and there's no way to fix it except for themselves individually. You can't move 
Can't be like, you know, soccer where you get relegated. It's just, it's just terrible. And watching it, it's just cringeworthy. I saw someone um, compare, like, watching the Eagles drive as a test of will. It shouldn't be like that. Now, Grant, you know, and I'll touch on it, this past Sunday night's game with the Niners. Looked a lot better team. Still had it, its hiccups. But looked a lot better the past couple games. Compared to the past couple games. And by them getting the tie with the Bengals actually helped them take over first place of this NFC least division. So speaking of Sunday's game, I had work early, so I, I watched the first quarter and then I kind of just got aggravated with it. Like I said, just watching, it, it was just hard for me to kind of watch though because like you got pumped up and then as the um, Eagles offense got going, it would stall. It just got aggravating. So I was like, you know, I'll leave it on, kind of fall asleep to it. Ended up waking up with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Commentator's like, well, and the Niners just went in for a touchdown. And commentator's like, all right, well, it's 25-20. You know, a touchdown here wins it. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, the Eagles get the ball here. Hopefully it could drive down the field and score a touchdown here. And go for the onside kick. And, well, you know, all the Eagles have to do is get first down and... and game's over. I'm thinking, why would they do that? They got to score a touchdown. Put my glasses on. I saw 25-20 Philly. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Luckily, we won and seen some highlights from the plays that I actually missed, which kind of sucked. Um, Carson Wentz using the legs. At one point, he was the leading rusher for, for the Eagles. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and that's what he needs to do. That's what Doug Peterson needs to do. And getting that, that touchdown in the first quarter that he ran in, going for two, that was the Doug Peterson that we all knew back in 2017. Just taking chances. And guess what? By him taking that two-point conversion, making it in the first quarter, actually, you think about it, made Kyle Shanahan have to change his game plan at the end of the game there. He couldn't play for just a field goal. So it, it helped out in the end. And I'm hoping that Peterson and Wentz seeing that after they go back and, and watch the film and stuff like that and they keep with it. Because the other thing too was when Wentz was out of the pocket it opened up things. And I want to give a quick shout out to um, our left tackle Jordan Malatea or Malata Ayatia the, the rugby player sorry I'm terrible with names like usual um, found out the day before that he was going to be starting for Jason Peters who went on a, a, uh, IR with a toe injury love you big dude but hang him up it's time I thought he played very well now there was a false start I guess I was sleeping at the time that um was third and one and then they pushed him out and kind of stalled a drive but for a player that has never started a single down in the NFL never played a, uh, a down in the NFL he held his own 
and this quite possibly may be something. You know, he could only get better with more experience. And he admitted, you know, the, the jitters were there, but after that first drive, he calmed down and he was able to do what he had to do. So now this coming week against the Steelers can be interesting if he can hold his own. They have a very good front line and they have TJ Watt there who's a sack machine. Um defensive line, awesome. Again. Just saw right before he came on. We have 13 sacks in two games. Gotta keep doing that. It only helps our cornerbacks. Darius Slay, he is really uh, really growing on me. He's making a lot of good plays. Even um, at the end of the game there, where the Niners had a chance and threw a Hail Mary into the end zone, he broke up the play. He could have went for the pick, knocked it down. You know, he's making a lot of good plays, and that trade's looking really good for us. And we finally got a turnover. After how many games, how many snaps, we finally got a turnover, returned for a touchdown. So, I think there was a lot of positives coming out of that game. We still have a long way to go. We didn't win the championship yet. Even though division, you probably you know only need to win like five games and win the division. But definitely feeling excited. I really think this Sunday will be our biggest test. And then actually, it will be our biggest. Te- will be the biggest test for the Steelers too because they really haven't played anybody. So before we go, we have our weekly blue picks. your blue picks of the week brought to you by skunk duck studios the best ducking designs on the web yes so this will be our week what week five blue picks um last week i don't think i did that well i think i went like one in three um this week seems a little bit easier and i think also uh, there wasn't that many games to pick from because I, I, I was looking at the games yesterday to pick from and there was like two or three still with no betting lines on it. But I'm going to chalk that up to Monday's games having two there instead of just the one. So just to kind of recap, our blue picks are our blowout, locks, and upset picks. Blowouts have to be nine points or more. Locks, obviously our locks. Upsets have to be picked by being an underdog of five and a half points or more. So to kick it off, our blowout pick of this week is the Saints over the Chargers. Saints are favored by seven and a half. Chargers starting a rookie quarterback. Even though Herbert is playing really well, it's the Saints. Um, Drew Brees, yeah, he's older, but can't count the old man out. I really think this is going to be a a two-digit deficit here for the Chargers. My lock this week is the Jaguars over the Texans. Just for the simple fact that 
all the drama going on with Bill O'Brien and then Romeo Cornell taking over is not a very good coach. Um, Jaguars have not won since I picked them as a lock in the first week. So maybe I could help them out a little bit as well to get their second win of the season by picking them as my lock. Then for my upset pick of the week, Bears over the Bucks. And here's why. The the Bucks are favored by four and a half points. And I know I said they have to be five and a half or more, but like I said, it was tough looking for these games, so I'm kind of bending the rules here a little bit. Going with the old adage, Nick Foles has beat Tom Brady every time, picking him until Tom Brady finally beats him. Tom Brady does not look like the Tom Brady from New England. Through another pick six last week, which is uncharacteristically of Tom Brady. Gronk is not playing like... Like, basically, Tom Brady and the Gronk pairing is not playing like everybody thought it was. And I kind of knew this was going to happen. Bill Belichick, even though he lost, he had Brian Hoyer in there. I kind of bring that back down, like the, the comparison of who is who, who made the Patriots, Tom Brady or Brian, uh, Brian Belichick. And I'm, I'm going with Belichick so far. Just a little bit. I mean, I, he took a step back a little bit last week, but I think this week he'll take a step forward because the Bears and Nick Foles are going to win over the Bucks. So that's going to be it for this week. Just a quick note. Um, Bare Knuckle Boxing this Saturday. Going to be live tweeting, doing some drinking games as well get some input from you guys so make sure you head over to staytunesports.net to click on the twitter account so you guys could interact with me during that um that pay-per-view also don't forget monday night is the belly up racing tournament we are sponsoring it we have our racers in there 9 30 over on youtube make sure you head over there till next week this is your good friend jimbo signing out